This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is Laura Had a Baby. So why might me having a baby cause you to be single? Because, I don't know, we're behind on emails that you've written us uh, since the day I gave birth. You might still be single because we haven't answered your questions. I don't know. I have no excuse. Laura has a baby. I'm just also enjoying maternity leave. I'm sorry, guys. Yes, we did take a maternity leave, but the reason that there's been all brand new episodes is because we pre-recorded a few because we didn't want you to go a week without a This Is Why You're Single podcast. So us being on maternity leave doesn't mean anything for you guys, but just so you know, this is the first episode I've recorded all month. Yeah. It's it's I feel it feels good to be back. Feels good to be back. I really missed you. Uh, also on the lineup, we are talking about what's new in dating news because yes, I'm going to talk about my birth of my child, but we're also going to get to some fun dating stuff. So what's new in dating news? We have a study that concludes that for online daters, women peak at 18 while men peak at 50. Ugh, what the hell? I know. Uh, also, we have an Instagram model that epically scammed her Tinder matches, matches. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions, including a mortifying oopsie text and a 20-something who has never had a boyfriend or had sex. But first, before I get into the deets on my birth, we've been on maternity leave. So, Angela, what's going on in your life? How was your maternity leave? It was great. You know, I had to keep remembering that when I would tell people that I was on maternity leave, I had to clarify that I had not had a baby because <laughs> any other job in the world, you don't get maternity leave just because your coworker had a baby. That's true. It's one of the perks of podcasting. But you're my work wife. So in a sense, you should get maternity leave because you are my, my wifey. Exactly. Yeah, there's paternity leave. So there is podcast wife paternity leave. Yeah, exactly. And I really enjoyed it. It was probably a little more relaxing for me than it was for you. Uh, I would confirm that. Um, I tried <laughs> to pack in a lot of activities. What did you do? What have I missed out on in your life? Um, I saw a lot of theater. <laughs> you know, stuff you would have really loved. Like what? Some Shakespeare in the Park. Oh, that did look fun. I it, saw your Instagram photo of it, that. That it looked was pretty fun. wonderful. But so like as I was packing in all the activities, um, Ian and I kind of had a little breakthrough in our relationship in the sense that I realized it's a little one-sided because I'm more of a planner than he is. Mm. But that doesn't mean he only wants to go see Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we we were talking and he was like, you know what? Like I've discovered all these cool things through you. I would like, I, I don't feel like through our relationship, like there's nothing that you didn't like before you met me that you like now because of me. Oh. And I, I would feel better if there was something like I could share with you. Oh, that's beautiful. I know. And I was like, well, what about cooking? I like cooking Well, now. you're already Chef Spare because... Uh, we have our Blue Apron that you cook. Well, Blue Apron helped, but like I knew that like Ian wanted to cook more. So like he was, was a chef for a while. It was a motivator, but he was like, yeah, but you're really slow at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We can, I can uh, develop a new activity. I can't promise you I'm going to be good at it. That's a good point. Um, 
So basically, remember when we went to that camping wedding and I complained a lot? Yes, I remember that clearly as probably do our <laughs> podcast listeners. So uh, I made a vow that I would try and like camp or hike or some woodsy what? shit. And of all the activities, you pick the one you hate the most? Well, that's like what he loves. And I, it, to be fair, in his dating profile, when I met him, it said, message me if you like to hike or eat pho. And I don't, I not gonna eat pho. It's just not gonna. I don't like like the the fish sprinkles that are. I don't even know what the hell that is. It's like a Vietnamese soup. Okay, fine. But so, given the choice between those two things, I guess I'll pick hiking. Whatever, (laughs) fine. It's fine. But I told him I was like, you didn't even like glamping at the wedding. No, you were like terrified. I don't know if that was glamping. I was still on the ground. Mm, True. Well, I think. (laughs) Glamping, you're still on the ground, but you're in like a glamorous tent. I don't know. I've never done it. I did not feel glamorous. Okay. Um, but basically, I was like, I cannot promise you that I won't complain because it is my nature. Even when I'm enjoying things, I complain. It's how I express myself. But I promise you that I will not uh, include any personal attacks and I will stick to <laughs> observational humor. Oh, I like that. So that's very fair. This is good communicating. Yeah, it's so much communicating. And uh, I'm going to become a lumberjack. That's what happened during my maternity leave. Can't wait to hear how that goes. Yeah. But more importantly, how was your maternity leave? Well, you, like had a baby and stuff. I had a baby and stuff. I gave birth to a baby. His name is Rilo. He's super cute, even though. When you came over tonight, he was screaming wildly, and I was trying to calm him down. I expect all babies to be screaming wildly. What did you think of your observation of when you came over? Was I doing a good job? Yes, you're very like serene. You're you're a natural, and I saw your boobs because you were breastfeeding. Yeah, you saw some milk spraying out out of my breast. I have onto s- my son's face. <laughs> yeah, I missed known- I missed his mouth. I've known you for a very long time, and. It took us to get to this point for such an intimate moment for me to watch you just spray milk in an infant's face out of your breast. Yeah, it's kind of magical. It really, the human body is a wonder. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. What do you want to know? Should I tell you my birth story or is yeah, that? Yeah, well, honestly, we haven't really, I'm glad that we saved it for this moment because we really haven't gotten into like the real details of it. It's true. So... If you guys listened to my pregnancy episode or our pregnancy episode, uh, I I was like a little nervous throughout the whole pregnancy because I was at risk for premature delivery. So the whole time I was pregnant with my son, I was just saying, please stay in my belly, please stay in my belly, please stay in my belly. And and towards the end, he was still in my belly. And we made it to 37 weeks and three days. I had a scheduled C-section for 39 weeks. Um, because he was breached. So the doctor was like, I don't think he's going to turn. Uh, and I had tried everything I could to turn him, as I talked about on the podcast. I right. done, like, You're hypnotizing yourself. I was hypnotizing, acupuncture, chiropractor. Anyways, uh, so I was all set for for that C-section. And, and Nick and I had a, a doctor's appointment. We asked the doctor, what are the chances that you think I'll make it to that C-section date? And they're like, I would say most likely there's like a 25% chance you'll go into to labor early. I was like, okay. So, so you were relaxed. I was pretty relaxed. Nick went to a wedding a few days before. Then I get up to pee on July 11th. And at what time? 
like four in the morning. Okay. Three thirty in the morning. Because uh, at this point I was peeing every like hour and a half, like or sure. maybe like two hours, three hours, and depended. And I pee, and then water keeps coming out <laughs> of a different hole, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I think my Nick Nicholas, my I think my water's breaking and nick like jumps up and grabs a suitcase and just starts throwing shit in the suitcase and it's like call the doula call the doula and i was like i think we got to call the doctor first he's like yeah okay the doctor the doula call everyone so then i call the doctor and i call the doula and i'm like i don't want and i told the doula I'm like uh you know it's like 3 30 in the morning I'm like i don't want you to like come here if i'm wrong that my water is not breaking she's like well what's happening i'm like there's water coming out and I'm not do- doing anything. Was it easy to tell the difference between the pee and the water breaking? Yeah, it felt different. It felt really cool. Like the water break. It was like a trickle. It was, it just felt like you couldn't control it. Water was just coming out of the hole. It was really weird. And I described it to her. She's like, no, dude, your water's breaking. <laughs> I'm going to meet you at your house and we're going to go to the hospital together. And I was like, okay, great. Um, so we get in the car and I'm like on this like adrenaline high. I had had yeah. my suitcase packed for like a month and a half because I didn't know. I was going to say good come. thing you had the suitcase packed. I, had, I mean, I had everything packed. The nursery done. Everything was done so early because I just didn't know when my little boy was going to come. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the car and I had, by the way, like planned all of these things for the for like the couple days before my scheduled C-section. I had like was going to get a blowout, get my hair done. I was going to get a massage the day before. That was the first thing I thought of when you told me that he came early. I was like, I guess Laura didn't get to get a blowout. Well, I did get a blowout. I was by the end, I was getting a blowout every like two to three days just in case he came early. (laughs) Because you had to be looking good for the first moment you met. I just wanted to feel good about myself. And and I just was so swollen. I was like, I like you. Like my feet looked like Shrek at that point. So there wasn't a whole lot of me feeling good about myself. I'm like, at least my hair can look good. I get that. And so I was getting, so I actually had still had my my blowout. So the blowout blowout was good. (laughs) Um, So then I'm in the car and I'm just on this adrenaline high and my water is breaking. I'm like wearing this huge ginormous pad and I had like a waterproof thing I put in the Uber and the Uber driver, we tell him we're on the way to the hospital to deliver a baby. And he's so excited trying to get us to name our baby after him and chatting us up. And meanwhile, I'm like on the, like going through my emails at four in the morning, canceling like the 15 appointments that I had, like I had scheduled dinners with friends and, and like multiple massages leading up to the, for the like next couple of weeks and hair appointments. So I'm, I'm like on this super high, we get to the hospital. I'm taking like selfies in the bathroom. Contractions start, but they're super mild. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm getting to experience labor, even though I have to have this C-section that I didn't really want. And um, and then I hear they've messaged my doctor to tell him to come in because I thought I was going to get a different doctor. Um, and and I'm just so excited. I'm looking at Nick saying, as much as excited as I am to be a mom, I'm just as excited to see you as a dad because I just think Aww. he'd be like so cute as a dad. Um, everything was great until I got into the room to do the epidural. Okay. And that's what everything for me emotionally pretty much took a downturn. But a lot of women can't wait for their epidural. Yeah. I don't like needles and I was terrified of the C-section and I just, I don't know. It was just crazy. The discrepancy between I had the, I love being pregnant, 
was so excited on my way to the hospital. And then I get into that surgery room and it's super cold and sterile and like bright, bright lights. And they like lay me on the bed and they're about to like stick this little thing up my spine. And and I just kind of start like hyperventilating and crying. Did you cr- have crying. your playlist? I had my playlist, but not at that point. Nick had it and they didn't let Nick in the room for the epidural. So I'm like, they make you like do this thing where you like curl over like like a C-spine when they're doing the epidural and I just start crying and kind of like freaking out. And my doctor's holding my hand. Like what's, you know, my, my doctor was amazing. He was stroking my head. Like Aww. what's going through your head? Like, you know, like let's talk this to you. And I'm like, hey, yes, I don't like needles. And, ah, ah, I can feel it. I can feel it. He's like, what are you feeling? I'm like, I feel it in my right side. He's like, she feels it in her right. Why is she not feeling it in the middle? And I'm like, are you going to paralyze me? Oh like, my God. I, I was freaking out. Did he say that that's like a standard response? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so then they lay me down and I'm, and it all kind of hits me that, oh my God, I'm about to like get cut open while I'm awake. That's not normal. And they put the sheet up and then Nick comes in and I'm like laying there. And at first they do all these tests to make sure you're actually numb. And I was just like, no, I don't think I'm numb because you can still feel everything. So you think when you have an epidural that like you're numb from the waist down. Yeah. You're not. It's like the feeling is similar to if someone's touching your arm. You can feel them touching your arm, but it doesn't hurt it just you feel it so you feel them like moving your organs around you feel everything that's terrible fucking freaky right so you can feel everything it's just not pain so they're doing these tests like can you feel this i'm like yeah i feel it they're like no but is it pain i'm like well no but i feel it they're like okay great you're numb i was like no i don't think i'm numb and they're like no you're numb i'm like what i'm gonna feel this so then that's when i kind of like started to lose it and they start like all the pain medications going into you, like morphine or whatever it is they use. Then Nick comes in and Nick's kind of excited, but then he looks at my face and sees me just horrified and terrified. And then I just start crying and I cry throughout the entire C-section. Even though Nick has my like calm playlist playing. Was it like sobbing tears or like mm. passive, just like quiet time tears? I don't know, Nick, what kind of tears were they? I know we can't hear you, but what kind of tears were they? I'm not happy. I'm in pain. Scared. I'm not happy. I'm in pain. I'm scared. What was the last thing? I don't want to be here. I don't um, want to be here. Those, all, those, all valid emotions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm crying the whole time. Nick's, and then Nick and the doula are trying to talk to me, but I was in such a state of. Oh, right. You I, had the doula. So yeah, my doula's there and she's trying to call me. She's kind of massaging my shoulders and they keep trying to talk to me saying like, are you okay? Are you, Laura, are you okay? Laura, are you okay? And I was in such a state of shock. I remember them asking questions, but not being able to answer them. Like oh words God. could not come out. I couldn't get words out of my mouth. But the doula's kind of there for a situation like that, right? To like yeah. coach you through it. But she normally does natural births, you know, and she's right. like, you can do this, you can do... But a C-section, she's definitely there to like... Call- I'm so glad she was there and she was so great with Nick and and then the baby comes and I hear the doctor say, he's got a cord around the neck three times and like... Oh my God. And I'm like, is he alive? Is he alive? And I, I, I like, until I saw him, I was always just kind of scared that yeah. something was going to happen to him and they rip it off his neck and I hear him cry. I'm like, Oh my God. And then I see him and it's just this like surreal experience where they like reach him up over the drape. Um, and then, and then they couldn't, they couldn't bring him over to me right away. I wanted to do the skin to skin right away. Right. But the, the 
the room, the OR room is so cold that they had to warm him up for like five minutes, but it, five to 10 minutes, but it felt like forever. And I just kept saying like, give me my baby, give me my baby, give me my baby. And they like were had to warm him. They wouldn't give me him. Oh my God. Oh. And then they finally give him to me and I'm so out of it on drugs, but he was so beautiful and I was still crying. And now I was crying because I was holding my baby that I wanted more than anything, but I'm also crying because I'm still getting sewn up for 45 minutes and <laughs> do they take they take like a little break and you hold the baby and then they take it away again and they don't they, ever take a break they're just still sewing you because you're bleeding they yeah. just cut you open so they're still sewing you up as you're holding your baby it's very surreal yes. and then you're kind of like out of it so i was like nick you need to take him and so then nick takes him and then when we go to the recovery room i took him again and i pretty much held him the rest of the time myself and latched him onto my my breasts and you haven't stopped since. <laughs> and I haven't stopped since. I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. I hated the C-section. It was horrible. But I'm also so full of gratitude and grateful that I have this healthy baby and everything went great. And he came three weeks early, but he didn't have to go to the ICU and he's perfectly fine and he's so beautiful and I'm so obsessed with him. That's that's amazing. When you got home, yeah. when you finally, it was just like you and baby Rad, the family unit. Mm-hmm. Was it weird? We were yes. like, whoa. It was so weird and I was not in a good place because I had really bad like postpartum anxiety. So I think it was partially like the pain medications. My hormones were out of whack. I hadn't gotten any sleep. I was recovering from being cut open and having a C-section, which is major surgery. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I definitely think I had like PTSD from this C-section. I, I don't know if I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that, but for me, mm-hmm. I was extremely traumatized by that surgery and I did not do well for like the first two and a half weeks of being home. I was crying every day. My mom was here. I had, and I'm so great. I had a husband who taken off work for at least six weeks and I had so much support. I had a postpartum doula, um, family around and I was not doing good. Just emotionally, I was like emotionally very fragile. Well, that I didn't want to see a lot of women. Yeah, I didn't want to see anybody. Um, I was like, yeah, I was just emotionally in a really bad, bad place, trying to do my best. Really tired, not getting any sleep. Um, Nick and I, we finally decided to get a night nurse after the first three weeks, where we both were just like zombies, and that's been extremely helpful. And since we've gotten that, since I've been getting more sleep. Uh, I've just bonded so much more with him. Now I feel like I'm like a better mom in the day. And like if he's crying, it doesn't really, it doesn't frazzle me or make me upset. I just want to, want to fix him. And wow. So you feel like you've turned a corner. You're feeling better. Turned a huge corner after three weeks. But those first three weeks were probably the hardest weeks of my life. Uh, yeah, sounds about right. I am stressed just hearing about it. Yeah, and your body's all messed up. I my arms were like black and blue from the epidural, or not the epidural, the IVs, because they had first put it in one arm and couldn't get it in, and then put it in the other. I had like black and blue arms. Like my organs are finding out where they're going. Like I can't poop. Like really, I'm tired. <laughs> like everything was messed up. Um, but so you've been like bringing him outside. Have you felt like you're like stuck in the house also? Is that another factor? Yes. And once we started to get out and do things, which you can't really do. He was so tiny. He was like five pounds, 10 ounces, and then they lose weight. So you, I can't, I couldn't be bringing him outside. He right. was 
so small, so cute, so small. But then since I've got a little more comfortable bringing him outside and doing things and Nick and I have gone out to eat with him and we go for walks now every morning with the dog. And since I've like, you know, uh, since I've gone out into the world a little bit more, that has helped lift any anxiety and depression and baby blues immensely since I've started to figure out how to have a little bit more of my old life back. Right. Yeah, that's got to be a big part of it because mm-hmm. your life has just changed so much. Yeah, I mean, for and those, you're a very active person. Such an active person. And for those first two weeks, I just didn't leave the house. I was almost scared. I was so paralyzed. I didn't feel like myself at all. I felt like a different person. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave the house. I had this baby that needed me. I, yeah, I, my body hurt, my brain hurt, my mind hurt, everything. I remember one day trying to write back an email. It took me all day to write one email. I was just that much of a fog. It was crazy. My God. It was crazy. What was the email? What was the email? Oh, it was some work email. What was it for? I think it was for, oh God. See, I can't even remember now. I still have baby brain, but it was an email that I needed, oh, that I needed to write back to. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. (laughs) It was crazy. I've never experienced anything like it. Now I can write multiple emails a day. Oh, good. <laughs> without okay. trouble. Good. I'm glad. You know, sometimes I have email anxiety <laughs> and I have no excuse. So I don't even know it was an anxiety. It was just literally like the words being typed out <laughs> took so much energy. You were like, I don't know how to spell. I had a baby. I had a baby. I'm illiterate. Typing on a computer is a lot of energy. I don't know. It was crazy. It was a crazy first few weeks. It's getting better. Now I'm really loving being a mom. I'm slowly getting the hang of it. You okay. seem like a natural. Well, it's been six weeks and that, and I remember after three days, I was so freaked out by how, three days home, I was so freaked out by by the anxiety I had. It felt just like adrenaline rushing through my body at all times of the day. Even when I would try to go to sleep, it was so uncomfortable to be in my own skin. And, and I... I was so freaked out. I called every single one of my friends that had a baby. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Why does anybody do this? Why does anybody have a baby? Like, please explain. And they were all like, oh my God, I felt exactly how you felt. I just didn't talk about it. This is normal. It gets better. I was like, when does it get better? Give me a date. (laughs) Because I can't, every minute feels like forever feeling this way. So for you, it was like three weeks. For me, it was a big turn after three weeks, but they were like six weeks, three months. I was like, three fucking months? I can't feel like this for three months. And it wasn't three months. And they were like, every day gets better. I was like, hey, but tell me when, when, when is it better? When does this go away? I was hysterical. And around the time I started taking these like placenta pills, which some people are going to say I'm like promoting snake oil. I don't, I don't care. But, and it could just have been coincidence because of the time, but but they also say, uh, you know, if you're in the holistic community, having your pl- eating your placenta is supposed <laughs> supposed to help with baby blues. And around the time I started taking my placenta pills that I had dried up because I wasn't going to put it in a smoothie. That grossed me out. So I had it. Put- oh, that's where you draw the line with the placenta. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I put it into pills and around and literally like I remember the day I started taking them, I started to slowly feel better. Really? Which could have been a coincidence, but... But the day I started taking them, I remember the anxiety started to go away. It's like a goopy placebo effect. Yeah, or maybe. a goopy real effect. So either way, I'm either, glad it either way, placebo or not. Uh, and yeah, um, there's really, from what I've read, there 
the only danger is if they get contaminated. So you just need to get a good person to do it. Right. But otherwise, from what I've read, there's no downside. They either help you or they do nothing. Or, or, they're, conta- or, they're, or they're contaminated. But just right. don't, don't <laughs> let them get contaminated. So that helped too. But I don't know. And well, I, I have a baby and he's so freaking cute and I love him. I know. And you have all gadgets for him. When I got here, he was in like a little tiny, uh, looks like a straight jacket, but it was <laughs> cuter than that. I, I assume it's so that he can't stra- scratch his face. Yeah. They like to be swaddled, I guess. So I have him in the, his swaddle in from the, his snoo, which is this like bassinet that that like kind of rocks him to sleep. That you like strap him into. Strap him into a, like a mental patient. Yeah. <laughs> Very uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest up in here, but with a little tiny infant. Yeah, but he's so cute. Uh, I have a bunch more questions about motherhood and uh, babies and stuff, but I think we're going to get into them later. All right, we'll get into into them later. For now, let's jump into what's in the news. Angela, what have you been reading about in the news? Okay, I'm so excited to talk about the story because all of a sudden it's everywhere kind of obsessed with it. Uh, I read about it first in New York Mag in a piece by Madison Malone Kircher, and it was an Instagram model Tinder scammed dozens of men into coming to Union Square to compete for a date with her. How did she pull this off? Okay, so it's this Instagram model named Natasha Aponte. Uh, the way uh, this went viral was this one of the guys that she tricked was uh, tweeting about it. He like live tweeted the whole experience. That's amazing. Um, so basically, she started texting him. Well, they were mess. She found him on Tinder. They were messaging on Tinder. They moved to texting, and she was so smart because she was also texting like dozens of other guys. So she knew she couldn't like keep up a conversation with all of them. So she told every single one of them, "Oh, I had this like big work presentation, but I'm going to text you in two weeks and we'll make plans." Okay. So she like got them off her back. Yeah. Then the day of, she was like, my friend is DJing in Union Square. Just come meet me by the stage. So this guy said he showed up um, and he noticed that it was a mostly male crowd, but it didn't immediately register to him that it was something odd. Uh, then finally, this girl who he was there to meet for the date got on stage uh, with a microphone and she explained the situation that she was looking for. She was like too busy to date basically she said, this will be a great first date story. And then he said she got into this like Hunger Games style speech about how they were going to have to compete to date her. So I'm loving this. Here's why this girl's a hero. Um, I'm going to read you a snippet of her speech. She said, I am single. Dating apps are very difficult. And I said, okay, how do I solve this problem? Maybe I can bring everyone in person and see how that goes and solve this once and for all. So do you have what it takes to compete against everyone here to win a date with me? Look around the crowd. Can you last longer than all these other guys? And then she went into this like this elimination. This crowd is huge, by the way. How did she get the stage? Like, how did she... Get she in- probably had to pay money. Which How is- did she get Union Square to approve her having a stage? I'm so confused by the logistics. When you do things like that, you have to get like a permit. Like she probably shelled out big bucks because either she wants to be famous from a stunt yes. or she's genuinely this desperate. Like I'm looking at these pictures and this is huge stage. There's a huge crowd. You can't just like secretly put a stage in Union Square. This is some legit planning. So I think... So basically what she did was she went through uh, a bunch of rounds of questions um, to start eliminating people because obviously it was a huge group. She couldn't like talk to them each one on one. So she goes, 
Half of you are probably in relationships. Statistically, people who are on dating apps, half of them are in relationships, which I don't know if that's true. I don't half know where she's getting her statistics from. Yeah. But she was like, leave if you're in a relationship. Uh, and apparently at that point, the men in the crowd started chanting, shut the fuck up. What? She's charming. Um, she so special. then said that if you're not comfortable being filmed, you should leave because she had a camera crew. And I guess any guys that were in a relationship that were sticking around were like, oh, shit, I actually should leave. Oh, shit. Maybe I shouldn't call her a bitch and I should get yeah. on stage. Um, she said, if you support Trump, you should leave. She said, if you're named Jimmy, you should leave just because she doesn't enjoy the name Jimmy. <laughs> um, she asked men to raise their left hands if their last relationship was ended because of their girlfriends, uh, right hands if they had ended their relationship. And she said then anybody with their left hand raised should leave because she trusted their ex-girlfriend's judgment. Oh, that's not fair, though. I got to say that's not fair because sometimes it's just not like, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's true. We, I mean, we, we all got to be single yeah, in some way. Yeah, that I disagree with but you highly. Know like, because it's not like, because it's like trusting, trusting, I trust your ex-girlfriend. It, it just means they weren't a good fit. Like, I love Ian for you. I wouldn't date Ian. You love Nick for me. You wouldn't date Nick, you know? And like, I always, whenever I hear my friends talking about like, oh, you and this person and this person, you're all in relationships. I'm like, yeah, but you would never date our guys because right. they're not a right fit for you. You know, like you would never have worked out with with our guys. Like our guys worked for us. So there's someone else for you, you know. But I guess when you are Hunger Games style dating, you have to be savage. She was painting True. with broad strokes. Um, so then apparently it like got to the point where she was having them do feats of strength. They were doing sprints, push-ups. She said, and, these, um, and some people stuck around to do this. Yeah, well, a, a bunch of guys did leave because they were annoyed, but few of them stayed. They have they didn't say if she actually wound up with anybody though. But um, other reasons she eliminated people were if they had a beer belly, if they had a long beard, if they were wearing khakis, if they were wearing toms, which I like toms. Yeah, no problem with toms. Um, and if you're a smoker or an alcoholic, so. Uh, New York Mag wound up talking to some of the guys, and they said most of them did have a sense of humor about it. One guy said, if anything, she seemed more forward than most women you'd find on a dating site. Okay, but that's fair. But one salty guy said, uh, I'm not a therapist, but I think this woman is completely narcissistic, borderline delusional, completely vain, and just a shallow human being that only cares about getting more attention for herself. Uh, fair. <laughs> I mean, she's an Instagram model, so, and they knew that going into it, so really you could have deduced those things anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really this is information you just discovered but i feel bad for her apparently she started losing a bunch of followers because they were all mad at her stunt and now her instagram is on private so come out of hiding girl it's okay yeah that's funny i like that um yeah so i think she's kind of a hero i don't know i mean obviously she was being savage but it's a it's an intriguing way to meet someone yeah anyway you want to know what i've been reading Yes. I've been reading the New York Times. This is an article by Maya Salam. She writes, a study finds that for online daters, women peak at 18 while men peak at 50. This is crazy. So this Do you is feel like you peaked at 18, dating-wise? Oh, dating-wise. Definitely not. Me either. Absolutely not even close. Uh, I peaked when I moved to New York. 
Well, I always lived in New York, so I was just always peeking. <laughs> uh, this is from a new study about online dating published in the Journal of Science Advances. In it, researchers studied the desirability of male and female users based on how many messages to these 200 users, all of whom were seeking opposite sex partners, got over one month on a, quote, popular free online dating service, but they won't say which one. Uh, and if those sending the messages were desirable based on the same criteria. So the researchers determined that while men's sexual desirability peaks at 50, women starts high at 18 and then falls from there. So, okay. uh, but let me, let me get into this a little bit more. So the age grading for women definitely surprised us. This, uh, is they quoted is Elizabeth Bruch, an associate professor of sociology at the university of Michigan. She's the author of the study. She says both in terms of the fact that it steadily declined from the time women were 18 to the time they were 65 and also how steep it was. She said the study results echoed data shared by the dating behemoth Okay, Cupid in 2010, in which the service found that men from ages 22 to 30 focus almost entirely on women who are younger than them. Um, and this is the reasoning that they think. They think it's like kind of like a caveman mentality persists. So it, it like kind of aligns with evolutionary theories of mating in which youth suggests fertility. Hmm. Um, but here's some other depressing stuff. Uh, if you want it to be even more depressed, women want brains. Men don't care as much. So, uh, a man's desirability increased the more education he attained. For women, that benefit ended with an undergraduate degree and a postgraduate education made them less desirable. So they said that they, they think this is related to beliefs that higher degrees among women translated into more work commitment and less relationship and family commitment. Isn't that so depressing? It's like the stereotype that you expect for men, but don't really want to believe is true yeah um i don't know for me personally i feel like i got better at dating every year i got older and the like more experiences and education i amassed so no i agreed i couldn't agree like, more i was not a catch at 18 maybe i was fertile <laughs> <laughs> if you're a caveman <laughs> but i think i'm way better now i I think I'm way better now. We get better with age, like a fine wine. It's true. But one thing about this study that that I want to point out, that this is the bright silver lining of it. They said the data represents the reality of dating preferences, but not, not actuality. So in other words, dating out of your league. So that's not often the reality of dating. So you might like message people that are out of your league. You know, like you might be some dude... Right messaging 18 year olds but that doesn't mean you're gonna get one so this is this represents dating preferences but not what you actually end up with and they said the internet can't read chemistry so they last say in the real world the woman with the graduate degree who knows your favorite um uh, who speaks a, f a few languages or discovers new ways to cure disease might be undeniably attractive think of amal clooney so like in the real world you you're gonna want an amal clooney you're not gonna want some like dumb 18 year old right and i feel like most men would say amal is like an ideal woman right i would hope so right i don't want to be with a guy who doesn't want to be with an amal no. though i'm not an amal i we all <laughs> strive to be amal it's funny my friends were like we're uh we had this group chat and they they were like oh you know what i'm i'm not sad i'm 
still single in my 30s and they they screenshotted this like quote from a mall that was like I met George when I was 35 I honestly like didn't think it was gonna happen from me and they were all like let's be a mall let's be a mall and I like love the sentiment but I, I also secretly wanted to remind everyone like just so you know a mall is like one of the top human rights uh, lawyers in the world <laughs> like, like, you guys don't have anything going not the and it was like you know Amal is representing countries right, right now <laughs> maybe just like buy the fun wig that she wears in court and oh yeah you'll you'll get her strong lawyer woman vibes there you go uh, alright it is time for us to jump into our mailbox but first let's take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors we would like to thank our sponsor Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the fastest growing betting brand in the world over 20,000 five star reviews I love Brooklinen I was using Brooklinen sheets before they were ever even a sponsor on our podcast that's how much I love them yep we love Brooklinen they have a unique method they take off the middleman to keep things personal just between them and the customer their sheets don't just feel great but they look great too they come in a bunch of different colors and materials to choose from I have the luxe gray sheets with the window pane comforter it looks pretty baller so if you guys would like to jazz up your bedroom you can go to brooklinen.com they're giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners you get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code this is why at brooklinen.com brooklinen is so sure you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60 night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code this is why at brooklinen.com that's b-r-o-o-k-l I-N-E-N.com, promo code This Is Why. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever. We would like to thank our sponsor, Beta Brand. Beta Brand is dress pant yoga pants, the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. That's right. They look like dress pants, but they're not. They feel like yoga pants, but you can wear them to work, which is super cool. They have these like faux zippers and pockets and belt loops and front buttons and all different styles, boot cut, straight leg, crop, leggings, and more. Angela, you've been going into the office. Tell me about your pants. Yeah. So I'm lucky I work in a kind of casual office where you can wear jeans. So I got like the fake denim looking ones and they're amazing. I can like, because like, you know, I sit all day. I don't really get up as much as I should. So I just like... I twist my legs around. I like sit on my legs. Uh, I basically act like I'm I'm at home, like having a slumber party. So it's really amazing having stretchy pants to do so. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have some stretchy pants, especially when you're podcasting. That's why we started wearing Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Visit betabrand.com and use our code SINGLE to get twenty percent off of yours. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. That's betabrand.com, B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com. Use our code SINGLE and get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants. All right, it is time for us to jump into our mailbox. First, I want to read a fun screenshot that one of my friends, Mary Beth, posted on her Instagram that she thought was funny. She posted this in her Instagram stories. It's this profile of a guy. He says his self-summary is very positive. Everybody says, hey, he's so fun. He, it says he's a straight man, single. But here's where things get uh, 
get a little funny. He says, looking for women within 25 miles, ages 18 to 99, for long-term mm. dating and new friends. So, you know. So she just circled age. On, on, she's on circled the study up. that you just read, mm-hmm. he is defying the odds. Defying the odds. He would love to meet some hot 99-year-old. More power to him. Yeah. So, anyways, I just thought it was funny. But I kind of liked his self-summary. Very positive. Everybody says, hey, he's so fun. I know. But I'm like. You mm-hmm. I, you would hate that. You would hate that so hard. I, just, I know like, you. Show me your fun. Don't tell me your fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's true. I know. I require a lot in my Tinder bios. I'm sorry. Well, what else we got in the mailbox? Okay. Well, we first up, we have a very nice email um, about you and your pregnancy. We got a ton of uh, pregnancy emails for you, but this one actually touched on something that you talked about in our Should I Stay or Should I Go episode mm-hmm. um, when you talked about being worried that Nick would love the baby more than you. Oh, so, what did they say? So our listener, Marissa, wrote in and she Oh, yeah. Just said, to remind people, I was worried that when I was going to have this baby, it's going to be so cute. The baby is going to be so innocent. It's not going to complain about anything. It's not going to have all the complex thoughts and feelings that a fully formed adult has. It's not going to be as difficult as me. Needless to say, I was worried. Very easily lovable. Very easily lovable. When you don't have complex thoughts. Yeah. When you don't have (laughs) complex thoughts and you're not a difficult person with, with needs and depth and you don't pick on your partner for doing things that annoy you the baby doesn't care it's just a baby i was worried he was gonna love the baby more than me right and that's like i feel like something that probably a lot of moms maybe feel and don't feel like they can say out loud yeah i've I've lost a a lot of my filters of over uh, 160 podcast episodes (laughs) well marissa wrote in and i think you'll be happy to hear that she identified she said i was listening to the should i stay or should i go podcast this morning while i was cleaning my place definitely makes cleaning more enjoyable I'm married and I can definitely relate to Laura's fears about loving the baby more than her spouse. I just wanted to say I don't think we love our children more necessarily. Maybe it's just that we love them differently. When you're with a spouse long term, it's more so a choice to love that person. Whereas a child, it is an instant protective love. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I do agree that you need to schedule time to keep the love alive. I see too many people putting their children first all the time, and it can end in divorce or infidelity. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. While I do think children do come first with many aspects of common daily life, at the end of the day, it's your spouse that is going to be there in the end. We are meant to raise the best humans that our children can be and send them off into the real world to become successful and to possibly, if that's what they want, create loving families. If we don't keep the love alive once the kids are grown and gone, then what? We have to be role models to our children, show them a real loving adult relationship so they know what they deserve. Oh, I love that. And you know, that does remind, I do think about that a lot. Like my parents are so cute with each other. They're always holding each other's hands and calling each other like boo-boo, cutesy, blah, blah, blah. And Really? And yeah, and I My parents are I completely want not like that. Oh, really? But I guess also a role model in a different way. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> for, true. For me to be like, nah, maybe I want something different. At first, I remember like as a kid, like hating their PDA. And now I think it's so cute. I just want to like make out with Nick in public all the time now. See, and I'm uncomfortable with PDA. P- oh. PDA. Yeah, see. Your parents but, really have a lot of power to <laughs> fuck you up. Yeah, they do. Be careful. Uh, well, thank you, Marissa, for writing in. This makes me feel less of a I don't know nervous wreck I don't know I don't know um but but I liked a lot of her thoughts in there and I think it's true 
I agree. Um, okay, so now back to to the old the old game. We got to answer some questions. So first up, we have somebody who wrote us an email with the subject line "Oopsie Text," and she said, "I was listening to your last podcast where you share one girl's text mishap, and I had to share mine that still horrors me, horrifies me to this day." I was away at college and had gone on a few dates with a boy, so naturally I call my friends from back home and are telling them about him. Naturally, they want to see a pic, so I take his profile picture off Facebook and zoom in on him because it's his profile picture and it wasn't just of him, and I accidentally sent the picture to him. I had never been more mortified in my entire life. So all of a sudden, he gets a picture of his zoomed-in face. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I lied to him and said my roommate who also knew him was just a total jokester and thought it'd be funny to send him that pic. He just responded, ha ha. And needless to say, the picture was never discussed again, nor did we ever go on another date. Oh, I know that feeling, man. It's the worst when you send the text to the wrong part. Like you, your brain knows you're sending a text about someone. Right. And then your brain just like does this weird mix up where then you like text that person's name that is the content of the right yeah. and it could have been much worse because she could have been saying something bad because i feel like i've done that before yeah she could have been like look at his weird face and you send it like to exactly yeah like perhaps as a coping mechanism i've like blocked out any specific times i've done that but i know i've done that me too thank god it's blocked out but i've definitely done it it's the worst yeah uh so that was from jillian by the way uh horrifying jillian yeah that was really terrifying um, and now, okay, we have an actual question. So this is from an anonymous listener. She says, love the podcast. I'm a recent listener, so still catching up and wanted to ask a question. I'm 25, almost 26, and I have never had a boyfriend or sex. I've recently begun to dip my toes into the dating pool using Bumble, and I am wondering how exactly I should bring it up or even if I should. Thanks for the advice. Um, So not having a boyfriend, I wouldn't really worry too much about. I, I mean... I had never been in a relationship longer than three months before I met Nick. And I didn't make a big deal out of it. I had never, I dated a lot of people, but even the people where it was like, oh, this is, there was only two people where it was, this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend. And they barely lasted like three, four months. So I think I was maybe a little self-conscious about it, but I don't ever remember it being really, I don't remember being too self-conscious about it, actually. I just remember thinking like, oh, there's never been anybody that's like been worth me sticking around I'd I'm happier with myself than I am in a relationship that's so so and that was always the kind of like confident attitude I took so it was never really an issue so I think you just have to be confident about it right. you know if the and when the way you talk about both of these things like I would just say you know yeah I never I've never had a boyfriend or had sex because there's never really been anybody worth worth my time or worthwhile and I always say, like, we wouldn't have a podcast or a book if people knew what they were doing when it comes to dating. Nobody knows what they're doing, whether they have had a million boyfriends or no boyfriends. So it's not like somebody else out there has expertise that you don't just because they've had a boyfriend. That's true. In fact, sometimes they, they've created bad habits, I would say. Right. Yeah, yeah, you have no baggage. That's actually, that's one of the things I love about Ian. He does not have any exes. Oh, this is perfect. Yeah, you, Ian didn't have a girlfriend before you. Did that weird you out? Well, no. So he had dated before. I think if he, 
uh, you know what? Uh, he, so he had dated. He never had a girlfriend. I was kind of like, that's weird because you're so like cool and nice. And like, I would think that you would have a girlfriend. I was more like, wow, you're great. You should have had a girlfriend. Yeah. So but I'm did he sure just never, he never really wanted one, right? It's it just, not it like, just like never happened. He said he got friend zoned a lot. And like, I don't know. He was like focusing on other things. Focusing on him and himself and all of his cool attributes. So yeah, that's kind of the attitude you got to take. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't weird out Angela. And now you've been together how long? Like four years? Yeah, four plus. That's crazy. And as for like being a virgin, I feel like people that are virgins late in life, it's like this like knowledge that is weighing upon them. And they're like, oh my God, I have to tell you. I have to tell this person like right away. Like the decision of like when to tell the other person is like just always on your mind. And I would just say like relax. Like you can handle it however you want. I've heard stories either way. I've heard stories of people that like just don't say it and just like do it and it's fine. And then people who like wait till the moment that you're like about to do it and you're like, by the way, I'm a virgin. And like they're they're like already into it. So they're not gonna be like, oh, I'm not gonna do this. Right, right. But maybe so, they'll go a little slower. Right, exactly. So it's an intimate thing. I think just like make your own call, go with your gut. Yeah. Uh, well, let us know what happens. We'll be thinking about you. Uh, and guys, any of you listeners, if you want your questions answered or if you have funny text messages from an app you want to share, you can email us at contact at this is why you're single show.com. Please be concise. We are now only responding if we're answering your questions on the actual podcast. So if we use your question, we will email you to tell you. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes we answer people with advice, but we've been getting a lot of emails. It's hard. Right, so we it's try. hard. We try. We try our best. Uh, you can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive in to our reason of the week. This week's reason is Laura had a baby. Yeah, since this is a special episode and we don't have a reason specifically to discuss in depth, we're going to jump right in to our reason of the week breakdown. <laughs> So Laura gave us the lowdown on the birth story, but I still have some questions. I'm going to interrogate Laura in a rapid fire round of baby questions. Do it. Okay. Does your vagina still smell like flowers? Absolutely not. The stuff that comes out after you have a baby does not smell like flowers. Does your vagina smell like flowers on your period? Is that what your vagina is doing kind of right now? Um, not really as much right now, but but yeah, for the beginning, yes. Very much so. It was period vagina for like over a month. I'm like very proud of you for admitting that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it still smelled like flowers, which it did my entire pregnancy. I'm sure it will again one day. I hope. Um, but welcome to the non-flower vagina party. Thanks. Okay. Does your baby have an Instagram? No. Will he have an Instagram? No. At Rilo Rad? Nope. Not going to have an Instagram. I, I thought about it, but it's like... I'd rather just you know, then it's like do I not post any baby pictures on my personal and only post them on the babies and like what am I trying to make my baby I guess the only the reason I would have one if I was thinking about it was just a place for friends and family where I could just like inundate them with a shit ton of baby pictures but as my mom pointed out you can't save pictures from Instagram and she likes to save them to her phone you know right so she would like screenshot them every time so like putting a bunch of pictures on Instagram. It wasn't really helping because every time I put a cute picture of him on Instagram, I get a text from 
either Nick's mom or my mom saying, that picture was so cute. Can you text it to me? So I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to be texting pictures anyways. Do you have like a Tiny Beans account? I feel like a lot of moms I know do Tiny Beans. What is that? It's like a basically a photo sharing thing for pictures of your baby. Oh, I didn't even know about Ian it. Ian has a cousin and she's always like, did you check the Tiny Beans? And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I, do ha- I do have to go to work sometimes. <laughs> but... <laughs> Did you check, I check the, it occasionally? Did you check the tiny beans? Uh, I love the name because I call my baby Bean, little Rilo Bean. So look into it. Not uh, a sponsor, just a uh, pure recommendation. Did you check the tiny beans account? <laughs> I love the name. Okay. Um, okay. What does breastfeeding feel like? Okay, depending on when he's when he's like really in the zone and he's got a good latch, it kind of feels like someone like taking their tongue and like flicking your nip. I thought it would be weirder than it is. It kind of feels nice. Like sometimes it'll tickle and I'll be like, ah, well, that's feeling weird. But it's just like a nice little flicker. He w- he was licking your boob before. Yeah. Sometimes he gets in a weird mood where he'll just like kind of like stick out his tongue and like to like lick it. And I'm like, and like, I was like, it's actually I don't kind know. of sweet. But then I like, I look and I'm like, this is looking, this is so weird. <laughs> Honestly, watching you, I've never like up close and personal watch someone breastfeed before yeah but i'm so comfortable with you you can you can get your head in there so like watching you do it i really for the first time was like i get why men have like edible complexes <laughs> this, this this is weird wait edible edible ed- like edible. how like they oh, uh, remember yeah. when we had dr alex on and she said men want to date their moms yeah it's because like you have like your mouth and your mom's boob it's like the first thing that you see no he loves the boob it's wild it's so wild um well that's cool it doesn't hurt at all no i've been very lucky that i i guess it's because we like latched right away in the hospital they say that's supposed to help so he like he latched within like an hour and yeah i haven't really had any any issues my left boob produces more milk than my right boob fun fact Hmm. and you're not gonna be like one of those brooklyn moms that breastfeed until he's like five years old definitely not i'm i'm shooting for a year but you know what see how far we get okay i honestly i hated it the first week my boobs they get engorged and they look like if i i was if i ever wanted to know what my boobs looked like with a boob job these were insane like right now my boobs look pretty normal like they're like they feel kind of soft they're fine they're filled with milk they're kind of getting full right now but they were like rock hard huge <laughs> d circles like that's what happens when all the milk comes in they just get like rock hard engorgement and my dual and i was like crying they hurt so bad i didn't know i thought this was just what they were gonna be like the whole rest of pregnancy i didn't understand and i was like i don't want to breastfeed oh my god this is insane what's happening to me she gave me like cabbage leaves like frozen cabbage leaves what? to put i guess that's something people do like Amanda Pete did it. I remember seeing on an Instagram like Amanda, the actress Amanda Pete put like cabbage leaves on her engorged boobs, and it worked. I don't know if it. I don't know if any of this shit works. I don't know if it's time or if these things work, but they did. They did get better. Good to know. Okay, yeah. uh, so post baby sex is that happening? Can that happen physically? I don't know. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm waiting to get the okay from the doctor. So TBD. Okay. Uh, has that been difficult for you? To wait? Yes, I can't wait to be romantic with Nick again, especially because, you know, I'm doing so much nurturing of my baby. I, I Sometimes I just want to be held and cuddled yeah. and nurtured and loved myself. Well, you could still do that platonically. but Yeah, that's true. You just want to be ravaged. I want not. <laughs> what? What? I want to be entered. 
that's gross. That's even worse. You've had the exit. Now you have. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. You've done all the buzzwordy pregnancy things. You did a baby moon. You invented a hatchlorette. Did you get a push present? I didn't yet. So I told Nick he has to get me one and we're supposed to bring it to the hospital. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. You're supposed to give it at the hospital. I don't think maybe he didn't know I was. I don't know. I said that. You did have your baby early. I did have my baby a little early. but It then, was your fault. <laughs> but then I kind of asked recently. I was like, so what's going on? And he was like, well, I just want you to pick something out. But I don't well, know. What That's kind not of, as fun. What kind of things do people get as push presents? Jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? I mean, I think. Not like a nursing bra. Oh, I mean, not necessarily. Would you be bummed out if that's what you got? And you're not supposed to get like necessities. Okay. I don't think. I don't know. So this is my first luxurious. baby. Okay. Got it. Got I it. I mean, right? You, I carried a baby for nine months and got sliced open. <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I can get something nice. You deserve a bracelet or something. Yeah, right? Um, well, TBD on that. What? Any other questions for me? Um, I think that's it. What is there anything else? Like anything I wouldn't think to ask you that you think is like a fun factoid about your pregnancy? Mm. Uh, my dog, I was a little nervous. Like I, I bought a whole book that said like good dog, happy baby. And, and I didn't even need to read the book because my dog's a freaking angel and she's just so sweet and really gentle with the baby and just kind of ignores him and has been very easygoing. So, so you have know. a good dog and a happy baby. I have a good dog and I have a happy baby. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, guys, thanks for listening to this baby episode. That is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Uh, check out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audio book is on Audible. Uh, Laura, congrats. Thanks, Angela. I just Everybody can't see Laura right now, but she is podcasting. Her dog is nearby and she is breastfeeding. She is every woman. <laughs> I feel like Giselle <laughs> in that picture where she's breastfeeding, getting her hair done, except no one's doing my hair or my nails. You're podcasting. That's way I'm, cooler. But I'm podcasting. Um, so mazel tov Thank to you, you and Nick. Uh, guys, hey, if you want to get hooked up with discounts from our sponsors, you can go to our podcast page at thisisbyyoursingleshow.com. We have a full list there. We're also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at your single show. I'm sure you want to follow our personal so you can see pictures of baby rad. So you can follow Laura. Yeah, I'm just at Laura Lane Rad. And I am at Sparadactyl. Maybe I'll post a picture of baby rad. Yeah, there you go. Who knows? Uh, Also, like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. That was a HeadGum Podcast.